All right, now's when we're going to really find out who the good kids are, right? When it's all nice and quiet. So, hey, I'm only going to talk for about two or three hours, so just tell them to hang in there. The presence will still be there. For those of you that have been uh, coming to Wellspring uh, regularly this past semester, and really we're going to continue on throughout the year, our sermon series has been titled, um, The Way of Jesus. And so we've been taking a look, not necessarily at what Jesus said, but the way in which he went about being the Savior of the world and what we can learn from the way in which he just operated. Um, And one of the first topics that we looked at way back in probably late August was Jesus's example of downward mobility. And we talked about how um, immediately there becomes this tension in us Americans um, because we've grown up in in a culture saturated with this this concept of upward mobility it's been taught to us it's been modeled to us it's been ingrained in us uh, from school the media um, and sometimes even church this whole idea that more and bigger is better and that those things when we have more and we have bigger things it's going to make us happier as well so we've all had to wrestle with what it means to follow a savior who continually denied himself, himself the material things of this world. And we've, we've done all of that trying to keep in mind that if, if you're a person that makes over $32,400 a year, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the whole world. And I would venture to guess that that would include just about everybody here. Just about everybody here is in the top 1% in the world. And so we we have to reconcile this. How how does that work? (laughs) Following this downwardly mobile Savior in an upwardly mobile society. Because we spend so much time comparing ourselves to one another that we forget how most of the rest of the world lives and what their daily reality is. And our first moments with the baby Jesus in Scripture are just very, some very raw images of his downward mobility. Bethlehem, like many in our world today, just didn't have room for Jesus. And so as the story is told, um, Jesus is born in a stable, and he's laid into a manger, which is a trough that, that animals um, feed out of. And you couldn't have dreamt up a much more humble location For the God of the universe to be born. It was messy. And I'm sure it smelled like all stables do. Like manure. Right? Now. You have to understand. And it's probably not surprising to you. That I'm a child of the suburbs. Okay? And so when I go out into the country. um, And and you kind of get that first waft of manure. You know? For me it just kind of like. knocks me off my feet, right? I'm just not used to that smell. And it kind of takes me back, because when I was in high school, one of my best friends, his family, they were cattle farmers, okay, or herders or whatever they do. They had cattle, all right? And so he turned 16 before me, and so he, he drove around. He drove me around on the weekends, and so when he would come to pick me up on a Friday or Saturday night, I was always hoping that he would come in the family Buick, you know, the four-door, nice, clean sedan. But man, when I would see him coming down my street in the 
farm pickup, I was just like, oh man. Because when you open that door, it was like he brought the farm with him. And I mean, every fiber in that truck smelled like poop. (laughs) And I just knew that once I got into that truck, the rest of the night, I was going to be fighting back the gag reflex. You know what I mean? And just everything was going to get into my clothes. And and I learned pretty quickly having a a friend who was a, a farmer that that, that farming and, and raising livestock is messy business. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with some friends of mine, and this guy shared, we were sharing a devotional, and he shared this verse that really grabbed my attention, and I want to share it with you guys tonight. It's up on the screen. It's Proverbs 14.4. It says this, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. That's all I got, man. See you guys. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Now, where am I going with this? What do I want to say? Well, my experience with most people that I interact with um, is that they kind of like their life to be clean and tidy. And we go through, put a lot of work in to try to kind of get things organized so that our lives will run as smoothly as possible. Americans kind of crave efficiency, all right? And in general, we like to kind of limit risky variables that might bring chaos to the order we've worked so hard to try to control. Security and comfort are kind of the driving forces of those desires, and I'm sure sprinkled in there is a, a fair amount of fear of all kinds of different things that might happen to us. And most of us also, we kind of like just a little bit of Jesus, just enough Jesus to kind of make us feel good. And maybe on a good day, we might even like to be challenged just a little bit. But for the most part, we kind of like to create our comfortable life where things make sense to us and then try to figure out how do we add just enough of Jesus Enough to just, but not enough to just really upset the delicate balance we've kind of created of this comfortable life we'd kind of like to have, okay? So here's the problem, though. The crux of the story is that Jesus entered this world in a stable, and he was placed into a feeding trough, and he was surrounded by livestock, and the odor of manure was all around him. And I know what's going to happen when you guys go home tonight. All your kids are going to remember is that Pastor Bob said poop. (laughs) So stay with me, adults, so you can explain really what I shared tonight, okay, and not just that fact. (laughs) But I believe that that Jesus' humble beginnings, that was no accident. In fact, I believe that God kind of orchestrated the whole thing, uh, trying to communicate to us something about Christ, And when we examine, as we kind of watch Jesus grow up and then begin this adult ministry, this adult life, we see that once again, his life was marked by a constant entering in into the mess. And so we see Jesus, you know, touching lepers and and touching and healing the demon-possessed. And we see him entering into parties where prostitutes and sinners of all kinds hung out. And all the while, the church people 
were constantly critical of him, constantly critical of the way in which that he entered into the brokenness of the messy world around him. And you see, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had a viewpoint, a mindset that went like this. They believed that there were certain things out there in the world that if they came in contact with would make them ceremonially unclean, which meant that they couldn't participate in church rituals or activities. And so they created a lot of rules and laws about who they could interact with and how in order to keep themselves clean. So they put a lot of people at a distance. Anybody who... Um, was disabled or had some kind of disease or infection or anybody who they deemed was living a a sinful life, they kind of stayed away from. And so it made kind of that command to love your neighbor as yourself um, a little bit challenging for folks because they had so many restrictions on who they would interact with. And, And so Jesus enters into that viewpoint, that mindset, and he operated exactly the opposite of that. Jesus' mindset was this, my cleanliness, my righteousness is going to kind of overpower their sinfulness, their mess, and make them clean, not the other way around. And so Jesus fearlessly entered into messy situations and messy people, believing that his righteousness would be enough to cover them. Now, I know this about folks is that we all want an abundant life, right? We want life to the full. And, or as the, the, the Proverbs analogy goes, uh, you know, we want the abundant crops. <laughs> but those crops, in that analogy, they, it comes on the back of the oxen pulling the plow. And guess what? Oxen, like people, are, are messy and stinky, And there's going to be a lot of manure on the way to the harvest. A lot of manure on the way to the harvest. To be like Jesus. That's the goal of being a follower of Christ, right? You want to be like him. Well, the bookends of Jesus' life are as follows, right? Born in a stable, placed in a manger, an infant, vulnerable, Dependent, needy, humble, died on a Roman cross, crucified as a criminal, broken, stripped bare, possessing nothing. Humbly he came and self-sacrificially he died. So if we are his followers, then our life should reflect his Right from beginning to end. Our, our journey should involve a fair amount of messiness, right? So as we celebrate the birth of a Savior in a manger, does our life reflect his? Or are we busy protecting ourselves from the messiness of this world? Attempting to order our lives in such a way as to minimize the risk. Or are we entering in? And entering in to to messy places with people in this world might look a hundred different ways. It might look like entering into poverty or homelessness or, or the orphan crisis in our world or caring for the elderly or the sick. 
could look at a million different ways. Caring for the lost and broken and marginalized around us. You know, like that old farm truck that my friend used to drive, I think there ought to be a hint of odor about our lives because of the mess that we sometimes find ourselves in. And I'm beginning to think that grace and love smell a lot like a stable. So where is God calling you to go into the mess? Have you heard his voice in your life (laughs) calling you to places that you might necessarily want to go? And you've kind of held back because you're afraid that doing so might turn your world upside down in some way? God is inviting us into the mess to join Jesus in the manger and to join him at the cross. And he's promising us that there and only there will we find the abundant life that all of us so deeply desire. So do we trust him? And will we go there this year? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, just for your brilliant plan (laughs) to come in the flesh in such a humble way and enter into just a really messy place and then continue to kind of stay in that mess and to go to places and to be around people that nobody else in the church wanted to, continually showing us an example of just humility and self-sacrifice all along the way. And God, we, we sit here tonight in kind of this safe and comfortable church while the world around us is just, just broken and hurting. And Lord, you're, you're asking us to enter into that, to bring hope, to bring life, to bring light, to bring healing and joy and love and peace and purpose and vision. God, confront us with those things that we just want to hold on to the safety and security that puts up walls in our hearts. And God, begin to break those down. Help us to just take one step of faith and trust you and just see what you do in the midst of that. So God, help us to enter in to the mess this year. We thank you that you entered into the mess of our lives. (laughs) into the dirtiness and the, you know, whatever pit that we gotten ourselves in. And you, you came and you rescued us. We're grateful for that, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.